It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. It is July 4th as we record. You're probably listening to this on the 5th. I hope you're enjoying a long weekend, or if you're back at work, at least we're here to keep you company. Joe goes back to work tomorrow. I'm in Canada. I've worked today. I work tomorrow. I I have Monday off. (laughs) That's such a weird way to present it. Uh, Monday's Canada Day. Right. So you work today. I get it. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Blue Chew. And you can find the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, all the places. Today we're going to resume our countdown to kickoff series with number 66. There's 66 days until kickoff as of the time of this recording. And we're going to take some of your listener questions, as we always do on Thursday, for the weekend mailbag. My favorite part. It's everyone's favorite episode. It's our favorite episode. It's a listener's favorite episode. I I don't know why we don't do this every day. Just give us, because then you got to build it up. You got to save it for Friday. Yeah, people will get sick of asking questions. They don't. They never do. Even when we do it midweek, they they still (laughs) give us a lot of questions. And we are thankful. True. It gives us such an easy episode. That's true. So, shall we hop right into Trey Hopkins? You see what I did, did there? Oh, okay. Trey Hopkins is a Texas boy. Hometown is Houston, Texas. He was an All-American in high school, All-State, All-Area, two-time first-team All-District uh, high school football player. He's a woodwind saxophone and clarinet player. Mm. And his other hobbies include playing Xbox, a man after your own heart. Yes, so he that's why he should be starting, you know. He went back to the University of Texas following the 2014 season to work on completing his bachelor's degree. He only played there until 2013. Undrafted, 2014. Undrafted, 2014. 27, very soon, 27 years old. Which, all things considered, considering the time he missed, still pretty young. Uh, he came into the NFL... And was on the IR right away. Played three preseason games. We were really excited about him as an undrafted free agent. We were excited yeah. about him as a rookie. We thought this guy's going to make the team. He's going to be a backup. He could be a starter one day. We were mm-hmm. right. But he did have a bad leg injury. He at least got camp, I guess. But he had a bad leg injury. Was on IR August 30th, 2014. Trey Hopkins is a success story for evaluators, right? Like for like you and I mm-hmm. and other guys that watch the film were like, man, look at this guy. He's, he's going to play, as you said. But, you know, for him to even play as much as he has as a spot starter, average, maybe not even average, baseline starter, that is a success story for us. And, and his career was delayed for uh, at least a year because of that leg injury and the loss yeah. of time. That first year he came out of college, he was also hurt. In, in 2015 in the preseason, played a yeah. couple of those games, but then went to the to the practice squad. 
you look at his his career. So 2014 was his draft year. He Indeed. didn't play for sure, but he didn't play really until 2017. Well, that that's where I was going. In 2016, he was on the practice squad the whole year. So 2016, he's practicing the whole year, and ten snaps. Yeah, and then and then he in 2017 out of nowhere. Right. From from injury practice squad practice squad starts twelve games at right guard. He he yeah. even missed two games that year with another injury. Yeah, it's Three always games. been injury with him, and he was decent in in, in twenty seventeen. He played seven hundred snaps and missed missed three games, uh, and I think missed the chunk of the game he he ended up leaving. Uh, so when you think about it, he was on pace to be a full term long term starter. I mean, not long term, but full season starter that year. And then last year, um, seemingly just falls out of favor or gets replaced. It seemed like Alex Redmond was was destined to be the right guard the entire time for them. And Hopkins got his chance to play all the positions again because he's versatile and can do that. I would say it's it's pretty strange. I mean, they like him as the jack-of-all-trades backup, but it's still weird to me that Redmond just outright won that job and kept it all year the way he played. I agree. Instead of instead, of, and didn't Hopkins come in a couple of games when yeah. Redmond was like having penalty issues and he came in yep. at right guard? And Redmond had injury, uh, so had you know there, there were times where they had to pull him because of that. So he started at center from weeks three to eight last year for Billy Price when he was hurt. Started right guard in week nine or game nine, and started a left guard in games twelve and thirteen. Played mm-hmm. in all sixteen games. Nine starts. Yep. Just shy of 600 snaps. So two years now, 1,300 snaps, and decent play. Grading out as a decent pass blocker, 77 in 2017, 73, and I could round up and say 78 and 73 in 2018. Mm -hmm. Uh, But run blocking, as with all of the Bengals' offensive linemen for a while now, uh, grade poorly. Yep. Yep. Not 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 great at run blocking, but great discipline. Very few penalties in his career. Mm. Five penalties on thirteen hundred snaps. That's pretty good. Yep. And, and from an evaluation, he is a mover. He's an athlete. Yep. He's. I think he looks good in zone blocking. I think he climbs to the second level. He's a smart player. Good hand usage. Not overly powerful. Doesn't have a great anchor, but good enough, scrappy enough to fight those power battles. And generally consistent. Yeah. Is is a big thing in his favor despite the injuries early in his career he's been available the last two years for the most part he had those couple couple weeks he missed in 2017 we talked about but week in week out you're generally getting a pretty consistent performance from trey hopkins his only outlier last year was week five against miami as a bad game or a good as, game? as like a very very bad game outside of that he's you know 70 to 80 yeah. most weeks a bunch of good 80 games in terms of pass blocking, too, which you want to see. What is that? One, two, three, four of them. An elite game completely at center uh, against Tampa Bay. And yeah, that's everybody like, on the Bengals offensive line played well in that game, didn't they? Like, especially that was their, on the interior line. Yeah, that was their, like, this is a game that we're going to play well. Yeah, that's like the best game since 2015. Uh, Chargers, Russell Bodine graded that high. but And that doesn't happen often, I think. And I think Kyle Cook had one game like that. Speaking of Russell Bodine, is he a, is he on a team right now? You know, I don't know. I thought he was still on the Bills. I don't know. I don't know. I, I know he lost his job there, right? He did. I'm typing his name in now. Yes, he's still listed on the Bills still, roster. Still on the Bills roster. Okay. 
But they signed a bunch of guys that he. I could see a scenario where he doesn't make the team. I see. I wonder if that's someone they bring back, even though it's a whole new staff. I don't see it. Well, I'm just thinking if if Clint Bowling is done and you know they don't like John Jerry at left guard or whatever happens and Christian Westerman doesn't take the opportunity. Um, they don't need another interior lineman though, right? No, they need a tackle for sure. Yeah. But I'm just thinking it would free Hopkins up a little bit too to so play left guard. Quickly, uh, at the end of the week, I think what we should do is we should go back and look at notable players that have worn the number in the history. Okay, yeah. So, so this week we'll start at 66 and we'll count up. So 66, the, the most noteworthy name that I recognize, and I'm sure this is because of my recency bias, is Evan Mathis from 2008 mm. to 2010. Yeah. Sean Smith also wore the number on the defensive line. Loudmouth, Sean Smith. Big guy. In terms of the history, I I don't recognize these names. I'm sure somebody will tell us, oh, how could you forget about Mark Donahue? I want them to tell us about this. Or or Bill Berge. Bill Berge, yeah. You know Bill Berge, okay. Yeah, that's probably, someone's going to say you should have mentioned Bill Berge, and I'm glad you did now. You actually know Bill Berge? You got this look on your face like I'm not... No, I'm serious. Okay, all right. Someone Uh, would have said something. 67 is not a good number in the history of the Bengals. uh, You got Kimo Von Olhoffen from Mm -hmm. 94 to 99. And uh, again, I don't recognize the rest of these numbers. Wait, the same Kimo Von Olhoffen? Oh, yeah. That's a joke, right? No, I actually didn't know he played for the Bengals. You didn't know that? I didn't. Really? Yeah, right now. It's the first time I ever heard that. Huh. I thought he was a, a career stealer assassinator. Assassin. No, it was like it was a whole thing because he had played for the Bengals. Hmm. Yeah, for, for, for quite a while, actually. <laughs> I see oh, that. Man. Joe's at a loss for words, guys. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I didn't know that. Uh, 68, you got... Uh, Kevin Zeitler, of course. Jonathan Fanene on the defensive line. I, I, again, I don't recognize any of these older names. 69. Not often worn in the history of the Bengals. However, Tim Crumry. I was going to say, yeah, it's got to be. Which is awesome for his personality to wear 69. He'd be a superstar <laughs> today. I don't know if he was then. You know, I know uh, he was really good and I know people loved him, but... I wonder if he'd be a bigger superstar today wearing 69 with that attitude. You kind of think so, right? Would he be Gronk on the D-line? That would be excellent. I would love that. Right. The last player for the Bengals, I think, and so I'm missing a few years, but Clinton McDonald in 2010. Oh, yeah. Clinton McDonald was a good prospect, a fun prospect. I remember him fondly coming out of Memphis, an athlete, undersized guy, um, Really, I thought he'd be an ideal backup to Geno once Geno was was there and was established, and they had to trade away McDonald to the Seahawks for Kelly Jennings because the Bengals got demolished at corner that year and needed somebody. But uh, McDonald ended up having a very fine career for a seventh-round pick. And then they turned Jennings into uh, Reggie Nelson, right? No, that was... uh, Oh man, David Jones was his name. Corner oh. that got dra- that got traded. Uh, another corner that was a guy. Yeah, just a guy. My bad. He, he played though because they were hurt so bad the previous year. Right. 
Uh, I don't remember if we did 70 this week. I feel like we must have. I know literally none of these names from 2012 and earlier that wore number 70 for the Bengals. Scott Kustra. Not on, no? not on this list. Okay. Never mind that. That might have been after 2012, right? Yeah, that had to be. 71. I don't remember if we did this or not before, but Andre Smith and Willie Anderson. Obviously. Yep. We did do it because I do remember... We did talk about numbers. Billy. Yeah, I think uh, we got up to there. Do you remember? Do you have a guess on what number Coy Bacon wore? Because we talked about him yesterday, and since we're talking about numbers, we we did this number and we. Well, I would assume you're going to say seventy-two, but I would no. I was going to say sixty-eight. No, he wore seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. Okay. It was with the Bengals for two years, seventy-six, seventy-seven. Anyway. That's our countdown to kickoff for this week. The weekend will get us to 65, 64, 63. That'll be coming up on Monday, Sunday, whenever you listen. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Let's go to a break, Joe. Yep, let's go there. And then we'll take questions. We'll be right back. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. And we are back. It's the weekend mailbag. We're jumping headfirst right in the questions. Our first one, Jake, is from JoJo Jammer, who uh, seems to be sending us good quality questions every week now. But I love his at, at on Twitter. It's at win one Super Bowl, please, baby Jesus, God, Lord, I'll do anything. And he asks, I think that's too many characters. Oh, yeah, because it's only really just win one Super Bowl. I added, <laughs> added the rest. He, he asks, who are your surprise pro bowlers on each side of the line? So you have any surprise guys you think are, call your shot now, surprise pro bowler. You think he means like line or just each side of the ball? I think it means each side of the ball. Okay. That's how I took it. All right. Now, I think this would be easier or more fun if it wasn't Cincinnati because I don't feel like they always get recognized. Yeah. Do you know and what I'm I saying? I also don't think that we could possibly surprise our listeners at this point unless we name somebody that's unlikely. Right. This would be a surprise, I think, for the rest of the league, maybe. Okay. Like well, if William Jackson. So, so not William Jackson. Right, because would that be a surprise? Not for no. us at all. I think today there was an article at the Draft Network. I think it was today that there was like building, taking traits from the best corners in the league that have not been to a Pro Bowl to create the perfect NFL corner. And William Jackson is one of those lists. Uh, 
his man footwork. Okay. They didn't take his ball skills. They took somebody else's ball skills. Well, it's hard with no interceptions to say, I'll take that guy's ball skills. Yeah. Um, So I don't think William Jackson, I think he gets recognized nationally pretty well as a guy that's on the cusp. Mm -hmm. I would say Jesse Bates. It would, would be a mild surprise, I think, with all of the talent in the AFC at safety. Yeah. Just I think the surprise I, is like Drake Kirkpatrick. Sure. And he had a good year last year. But but this is this is just like an unlikely one, right? Like if we're gonna if that's what it is, if that's where we're going for our surprises, we're just picking guys that are like maybe like if he has a career year and does better than he's done, and we know what he is because he's been in the league for seven years. Like like Carl or or, or um Carl Lawson was Carl, Carl Lawson, yeah, is like maybe maybe it would be a surprise to some people because he was hurt last year. Some people forget about it. Wouldn't be a surprise to Bengals fans if he goes out right. and has a great year. Right. Nick Vigil would be a surprise Pro Bowler if he puts sure. it all together. Right. Like so, this is what yep. I mean when I say like are we talking about guys that are just unlikely, and if they put it all together, well, that's your surprise. So that's the defensive side of the ball. Who's your guy? I think Nick Vigil is a good nomination for that. Yeah, if I was looking um, more of who would be a surprise nationally, I think a lot of people don't know how good Carl Lawson and William Jackson are, so I think that would be... I feel uh, like they know William Jackson, but Carl Lawson, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I just watched the other day where they were like, there's no number one, there's no Richard Sherman. This is the other day, just a couple months ago, when I say that, that's what I mean. Um, but they're like, there's no Richard Sherman, there's no Daryl Rivas, and then they named like 12 guys who could potentially be like a number one shutdown, be considered a superstar corner. And this was on good morning football and they did not list William Jackson. So like, yes, I think it would be a surprise to some people if that yeah, happened. All right. Fair. But, uh, but I, I see what you're saying. I think Nick Vigil, if yeah, we've talked about him enough that his traits, if you put it together would be like, Hey, I made the pro bowl this year. Great for Good for him. On offense though. I think this is easier. And, uh, is it? Yeah. I, see, here's the thing. There's, it's it's to the point now where remember they used to have a lot of Pro Bowlers. Now it's like okay on on offense, it's AJ Green, Eifert, and Dalton, and then like Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd could make it and should make it and could have last year. So, so, so who's the easy choice? Yeah, I was gonna say Boyd and Mixon, but I guess as I'm reconfiguring how we talked about the defense of was Boyd not a Pro Bowler last year? No, he wasn't. He was hurt. But I so I but think once he, they got to the. He, did he get in? And then he when, like when they get to the uh the alternates, they if you're hurt, they just don't you don't get the recognition. So I don't know if he ever got oh, the so chance. Oh, he might have been I, an alternate and then Yeah, I wouldn't, I right. I don't know. They wouldn't have said it if he was. Um so I I think for me would be Billy Price would be the surprise and at the same time, he's a first round pick, center, could definitely happen. Yeah. Christian Westerman Ooh, I like it. He's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna be Evan Mathis, gosh darn it. Cordy Glenn. Sure. Yeah. Returns right. to 2015 form. Yeah. That would surprise everyone. Next this question. Make people excited. <laughs> yeah. We named three offensive linemen that could, honestly, I think could do well, it. Because they would be the most surprising, right? Like yes. if it's AJ Green or or Joe Mixon or Tyler Boyd, we're not surprised. John Ross. If it's, if it's Tyler Reifert because he stays healthy, we're not surprised. If it's John Ross, we're probably surprised, but I don't think anybody thinks that's realistic. No, it would take some bad scenarios of AJ Green or Tyler Boyd going down. Or him just being Deshaun Jackson. Or being Washington John Ross. I mean, sure. Are right? those the same thing? 
he was even better than Deshaun. Deshaun's never been that type of red zone guy. Deshaun right. Jackson. All right. So Deshaun Jackson between the 20s and John Ross in the red zone. Right. He would, if he turns into that, then extend him now. Anyways, yeah. let's move on. Scott Connor at Charles Chill FFB asks, is there any hope for Josh Malone specifically, not generally? Right. <laughs> the way you pause there, is there any hope? <laughs> that should be the question every day, every week. <laughs> yes, there's hope for Josh Malone. We've talked about him a little bit before uh, when we were at number 80. He's young. Uh, he has flashed. Some of his touchdowns and long catches in college are fun, and it should translate at least to that. The Bengals really struggled to throw outside the numbers last year, and I think if that changes or if they can scheme some things open, I, I look at the way Josh Reynolds emerged for the Rams when Cooper Cup went down and Reynolds was a fourth-round pick, I think similar to Josh Malone. And uh, and they both are Josh. That wasn't on purpose. But uh, point being is I could see him taking that third year where it's like, okay, he's productive now. Do, do I ever think he's going to be a starter? I don't. I think it would take a, a leap in development that he hasn't shown. But I do think he, he can be a contributing number four or five guy. His best comparable on playerprofiler.com, which looks at your college dominator score, which is like that uh, uh, a market share. Yeah. It takes your athleticism. It takes your breakout age. And and his best comparable is Terrence Williams, who's a solid player for Dallas, or yeah. was a solid player for Dallas. So if I would say that's probably his ceiling at this point. That's you interesting know, to uh, to list Terrence Williams. So I was going to pull up Terrence Williams' stats really fast here, but my so so the point I was going to make real quick is is just that the reason that there's still hope for Josh Malone is that he came into the league young. He's he's twenty three now. Is that right? It's got to be because he was twenty. Yeah, and and he broke out relatively young. And by breakout, it, it's this uh, metric that tells us when the player first crossed a certain threshold of productivity. Yeah. Wide receivers that break out before 19 are considered phenom. So, I, I mean, this is this is very rare. But for Josh Malone, it was 20, 20 and a half. So, so similar to Tyler Boyd in that he was, a, he was an early breakout in college, came into the league young, was and had development to do. Obviously, was a was a fourth-round yeah. pick. But he has, you know, like Joe said, he has speed to burn. So yeah. th- there's reason to think that there's something that could happen for Josh Malone. And he had flashes as a as a um, rookie and then complete disappear as a sophomore. And we saw that with Boyd. And I would have liked to have one breakout game at the end or a big game at the end to propel him the, into year three the way Boyd did. But not everyone gets that. Yep. Very few people get that. Right. It but was... if you're asking if there's hope, there's hope. Yeah. So next question here is: Was from, there anything interesting in the Terrence, Terrence William numbers? I mean, he was he was, he was playing way right more away. productive than I yeah. thought. Yeah, he yeah he played right away. I mean, the first year he, he had seventy four targets, caught forty four for seven hundred thirty six yards, five yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. Basically, looking at his yards per catch: sixteen point seven, sixteen point eight, sixteen point two. His first three years, getting at least five, almost you could basically say six hundred to eight hundred fifty yards every year with five touchdowns that yeah. he started. It's actually pretty decent so that's why i say that's his ceiling <laughs> yeah and i would gr- agree with that yeah and we haven't seen even a sliver of that yet no we have not so next question is from i always want to say this is appellation but he spells it pp alation yeah but it's at ah, because he's using the a first or the yeah. a for the at appellation amazing yeah clever guy 
Yeah, so he asks, so you guys going to do, uh, <laughs> I botched that, so you guys doing a fan fantasy league this year or what? Lockdown Bengals. Yeah. Is it time? Or should we be already, like, should that be? Yeah, I don't know. When do drafts happen? Logie said he was going to do it. Logie, get to work. <laughs> Did he say he was going to do it? He said he'd, he said he'd run it for us or something. We, we, we were supposed to come up with uh, That's right. some of the structure. I don't know. What do you yeah, think? A half point per reception? I like that. I do. That's what I do in my main league. And we don't draft until August, I think. Yeah, I don't want to draft in July. That's ridiculous. I want to draft like after week three of the preseason. Yeah. Once no. See the earlier we draft, I feel the better it is an advantage for me. Whenever well, that, the week three is when starters get hurt. And yeah, you're right. But that's, that's why also like when you know what rookies to draft, I think. Yeah, maybe. Because by then you're like, man, this guy's actually Playing with the starters, he's being so, yeah. involved in the offense, which is helpful for everyone. I, I get that. I'm gonna so, just my strategy is gonna be draft no Bengals and let all you guys. I'm gonna draft this team of of Browns because that'll be the value. You yeah, draft that's... all Browns, Steelers, and Ravens. Yeah, maybe we should eliminate all Browns, Steelers, oh, and Ravens. Make the like make that. it a little different. I like that. That's a great idea. Yeah, you cannot draft them. I wouldn't draft a Steeler anyway. But Odell Beckham, I'll take him in the second round because he's a Brown. <laughs> I've got no problem with Connor for the Steelers. Uh, yeah, I mean, he hasn't done anything story. wrong yet, and he's got a good story. Yeah. Now, if he does something stupid on the field or says something, then maybe that'll change. All right, or, let's get let's we'll, we'll put out a tweet, yeah. and we'll ask how many people want in. We'll figure yeah. out how many leagues we got to do. Figure I out want some of the thirty-two team league. I there's no way I'm doing that. And eliminate the rest of the AFC North. So someone out there starting Josh Rosen from the bench. No. Sounds terrible? That sounds so unfun. But yet, the, so if you get a starting quarterback, you're not going to get a starting running back. That's just how it goes. That sounds in the draft. Oh, my God. <laughs> we be forever. we got to start it now. Hey, this guy's right. <laughs> we, we, here's, here's the rosters of a 32-team league. One quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver. No, you can one do flex. receivers, but you're not going to get a lot of no, points out of One wide receiver, one flex. And that's it. No kicker, no defense. No defense? I want to have a defense. Well, somebody's going to double dip on a defense, and then nobody's, somebody's going to have no defense. You spend a pick on a double dip defense, you don't have a starting tight end. I'm just saying, that's why it's a flex. Right. You're going to flex a defense in there? Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. We are going to yes. do a league. We'll we'll see we'll, we'll we'll figure out the details. Also, speaking of fan things, I, we talked about this on Twitter. We talked about a fan meetup for the home opener. You don't yeah. have to go to the game. I said this I think yesterday, but if you want to hang out with us, we're talking about going to the home opener. We're trying to gauge interest. If anyone has tickets or a hookup for tickets and they want to let us know about that, that would also be real helpful. Of that, course, that's my plea to you the good people of Cincinnati to help Joe and I get to a game when we both live pretty far away. Yep. Any, any type of uh, taking money off the table here is helpful. Yeah. We don't get paid enough for this podcast. To, to, and the only reason we're bringing tickets. it up is because people have offered it, but just for different cities. Remember yeah. this in Miami. Right. So let's try and if anyone has any hookups in Cincinnati, we, we have listening. a place to stay. We just need to get to the game. We'll shout out your uh, whatever you're doing on, on the podcast. And yeah, Twitter. call it a sponsorship. 
I wonder yeah. if Abco Safety has any season tickets they could hook us up with. I'll wear an Abco Safety shirt to the game. I'll wear an Abco Safety harness, hard hat. Right. <laughs> Onesie, no, whatever, whatever you got. <laughs> anyway, we're going to take a quick break on that note, and we'll come back and answer some more of your questions right after this. And we're back for the third segment. Let's try and hammer out these questions as much as we can before we end the show here. Jake, it's your turn, though. You're not going to trick me in asking this one just because I'm bringing us back. No, it's a lot of work. So this question comes from Alex Grigsby at agrigsby81. The question goes, pro-football-reference.com. No, it says, here is a list of career passing leaders. Andy Dalton is currently 59th. What will he finish his career at? And this is a list of yardage leaders. Yeah, and he's so he's 59th. He has 28,100 yards. The guys around him, uh, he just passed Terry Bradshaw, who had just under 28,000 yards. 50. Right, he's right behind Ron Jaworski with 28,000, so he'll That's pass not those 50. guys. 50, look at 50. I know, I know, I'm getting there. There's a lot of bad players that played in this era, like Ryan Fitzpatrick at 50. So, Crazy. It, it is. Ken Anderson's number 39, if you're wondering. I added. 16,000 to Dalton to see where he would, that would put him, 18,000 range. And I end up almost being smack dab right on Carson Palmer at 13th overall in the, on this list at 46,000. I thought, yeah, that makes sense. If you look at it with uh, Matt Ryan, who's 12th, which is amazing, uh, he's going to end up top 10, top 5 maybe. But uh, Carson Palmer, Vinny Testaverde, Drew Bledsoe, Dan Fouts, in that range between 12 and, and, and 16, I think, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Dalton plays another five to six years at the, his current pace and ends up in that range. That's exactly what conclusion I just came to, and I did the math too. Between yeah. between thirty five hundred, four thousand yards yeah. per year, five six more years, it puts him between you know forty thousand and, and fifty thousand, assuming he doesn't get hurt. And some active players are still going to be ahead of him as they move, also in oh, the yeah. same range. So you know it's fluid, but yeah, in that range. I, I do wonder, though, if the league continues to get easier to pass in, if, if that's a trend that continues, mm-hmm. we might have to do more. Because it seems like it's still going up. Yeah. The number of guys that have at least 4,000 passing yards each year is, is, is increasing. And they're playing way longer. And if they go to an 18-game season while Dalton's playing, that's another factor. True. I mean, like 15 years for Ken Anderson was a long time. We're already at year. We're already on going into eighteen years for Drew Brees, and I feel like he's got two to three years left in him. Mm-hmm. So I mean, these guys are going to play twenty something years. Drew Brees is going to have eighty five thousand, ninety thousand, maybe a hundred thousand passing yards. It's just silly. Yeah, Drew Brees it's, it's number one. Be, yeah, and and is Brady? I mean, they're probably going to retire at the same time, and nobody's yeah. catching them. That's active right now. Right, Brady should end up being he should be number two after this year. He's at seventy thousand. He's basically fifteen hundred behind Peyton Manning for number two. Yeah. And 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 he'll probably get to number two. But unless he plays like a, a he'd have to play a full year more than Breeze probably to catch him. Because Breeze is probably gonna go out and there put up another five thousand yards this year. Right. Yeah, he's not catching him. It's gonna be Breeze. And then Breeze is going to have a sizable advantage because he puts up five thousand every year. Actually only put up he didn't even get to four thousand last year. Well, never mind. Yeah, edit, edit that out for me, Jake. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Joe, Joe still thinks I edit the show. He fixes all my mistakes. That's why he's the best. I, I I do no such thing, but I am the best. That's true. So this next question leads into that. Also, this is from Ev Deep. 
Evan Deep, maybe? Anyways, would you rather have the Bengals finish this year with four or less wins being healthy? So that means they're just a bad team. But move on from Dalton after the season. Or finish with 10-plus wins, win at least one playoff game, but extend Dalton. So if they win four or less games, where does that and mean they're drafting? Healthy. Top yeah, three. Top top three? Yeah. Then I'm losing those games. Well, yeah. If it's between drafting a quarterback in the top three in 2020 or extending Dalton and then not drafting a quarterback for the next four years. Right, because you win a playoff game, you're picking 26th. And Dalton has a lot of security, ostensibly. So here's the thing. If it's one playoff game and like the wild card game... We're so thirsty for that wild card game that it almost makes it, you know, anti. It's so hard to say no. We'll take the losses, but yeah, it's, if if they're if they're winning a playoff game, you kind of have to take. T.J. Right? Yates won a playoff game, and the Texans did not commit to him. Weird. Point being is they, you know, there's been. Not, I would rather win. I'd rather. I win. would too. I always want to win. But also, I would like to get a legitimate shot at. I I, I maintain the same thing with the Bengals because of the franchise, because of the way they operate. The only thing that's going to take them from being a mediocre franchise to giving them a, a shot every year, year in, year out, is either striking gold, winning the lottery at head coach and quarterback, or one or the other if it's good enough to take them out. You know, getting a Peyton Manning or so, whatever can rip you out of the the depths of hell. Uh, and that's how you fix franchises. And so, and if they for me, win a playoff game this year, they probably hit a coaching lottery. Right. So that's the hard. That's the hard part of it. Is this thinking? Well, if you win a playoff game this year, like man, we got the guy with Taylor. But yeah. now you have a thirty-two-year-old Dalton. So okay, the window's open because you feel like you got the guy with Taylor. Let's try it. I'm down for that. Yeah. But if it doesn't work, and it doesn't mean Taylor is not good because they only win four games. It's the first year that stuff happens. Yeah. And then they get a quarterback, and then they hit on both because then that would still be on the table. Then that resets the ten-year window, which sounds great. Yep, I want a ten-year window. But yeah. here's the thing: I, I, I think the outcome, the most likely outcome for the Bengals, is not either of these two things, and it's in the. I middle. don't either. The yeah. other thing to note is that four wins, actually, the last three years, is not a guaranteed top three pick. What's it been at? You got it's, it up. It's the, this year there were. It was a three-way tie at four losses or four wins, so okay. you could you could be at four. The year before you're at four. The year before you're at five. Hmm. So it's a top five pick, but a top three pick is is to guarantee yourself top three. It's three wins max. Yeah, because he says four or less, so it doesn't. Yeah. So it could be in that range. He also no. says at least one playoff game, ten plus wins. If they go out there and win twelve games and win, yeah. You know, they go to the Super Bowl, then great, sign me up. Sure, Keep them together and, and extend marriage. them. Yeah, because you've definitely. Won yeah. the lottery, with Taylor. Yeah. I think we've talked this question out. Yeah, it's a good one. It definitely makes me think. Yeah. Next question comes from Matt Stecht at Stecht underscore Matt on Twitter. With Jonah Williams being out for the season, what do you think will be the starting offensive line and possible backups at each position? We talked about this, uh, but let's say this is my official guess. Is I, I do think it'll be Cordy Glenn, John Jerry, Billy Price, um, John Miller and then Bobby Hart at right tackle. And I think the major 
backups is Trey Hopkins at any of those positions. Whoever goes on first, he's the sixth man. He comes off the bench. He plays tackle if needed. He plays center if needed. He plays guard if needed. But I do think Westerman uh, has a chance, and so does Redmond, to be right off the bench as as guards. I wonder where Michael Jordan is, fits in, if he's even the backup center, or if he's inactive every week, or if by then Hopkins is already playing another position and they got to dip into Michael Jordan as a backup center. Yeah, I mean, odds are there, there's a chance somebody gets hurt in the yeah. preseason and training camp and they need to make a change. Right. Not this is likely, not the last but there's injury. a chance. Uh, yeah, the only one that I don't know about is left left guard. I, I don't feel very good about a guy who was out of the league last year starting. Yeah. But, I mean, he does have the, the tie with the coach, so maybe you're right. That's that's like past Bengal stuff, right? Where they yeah. were like, oh, sign John Jerry. He's our starter. Her own question. Let's go. Yeah, like if Andre Smith took a year off and was like, okay, we're going to throw you in at right tackle next week. They've done that plenty of times, it feels so, yes. Yeah. But it's a, new, it's a new staff. So, I mean, I don't know. Right. Guy, the coaches always go with their guys. We'll see if Westerman turns into these coaches' guy. So next question here is from David M. I want to say this is – help me out with this. Pottig, Pottiger? Pottiger? What do you Pottiger. think? Pottiger. Esquire. Anyways, he says, should we be concerned that the Bengals haven't extended either A.J. Green or Tyler Boyd yet? No. I don't think so either. It's it's like soon. Expect yeah. it soon. Next few weeks. Yes. Around training camp. Yes. Right before they report to training camp and within that first week – that's when that happens. If we so, get to preseason game three and neither of them are done, then maybe you're a little concerned. Yes, I would agree with that. And it could happen all the way until week, you know, until the preseason concludes week one that that week. But uh, yeah, uh, typically they happen in this range. Now you start talks, you get them in the building when they get there in three weeks, and you say, you know, we're here, let's do this, let's sign, and mm-hmm. that's how it happens. Yep. That was a good one. Nice and quick and easy, clean, the way we like it. Next question comes from Spencer Myers at Cincy Spence 19. I don't know if you cross over into other sports, but who wins a championship in Cincinnati first, the Reds or the Bengals? Now, I can't really say where the, I, the Reds are. Honestly, I have no clue. I, I said before, I'm a Cleveland Indians fan. If anything, with baseball, I don't follow it much. I do get the updates. Bengals, I mean, the Bengals. The Indians have been on a roll, so um, that's all I can say about that. Jake, what do you think? Um, no, neither. I, mean, <laughs> I guess I guess somebody has to eventually. Maybe, right. uh, maybe not. Better odds, even if the lads are low. Uh, is it, it, feel, it feels when, like the Reds. Is it weird when one city wins a bunch of championships like Boston? It happens and all then, the time, right? And then or Pittsburgh, and one city just does not win anything. I mean, why? Why does that happen? I don't know. Does it have anything to do with the city or a fan base? It might have something to do with... No, I don't. I, th- I, think it, location? I think it just has something to do with the ownership. It might have something to do with the location because a lot of times it is bigger markets. So yeah. owners are attracted to them that have deeper pockets and, I don't know, maybe they're more capable. Right. Boston wins a lot of championships. Right. It's I think, weird. I think, I think it'll be the Reds just because... Baseball's weird. More parody in baseball right now? Not really. The Dodgers and Astros are pretty oppressive. Yeah, but I think like you get the Royals every once in a while that'll 
you know, the teams like that, that all yeah. of a sudden, you know, the Cubs, the, the Indians, yeah. they were just in it. You, yeah. you get teams that they can make a run. And, and the Reds, it seems like they're starting to put together a pitching staff. If they can figure out who they're going to keep after this year, they have a solid foundation. They have a number one, two pitcher right now, Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo, who took a no hitter into six and a thirds innings today. He ended up pitching seven and two thirds, nine strikeouts, one hit. And then there was a, a rain delay. Hmm. They, they shut out the Brewers for the last 23 innings of a four-game series, took the series 3-1. They've just won two straight series against the Cubs and the Brewers. So these are all good things. Those are the two first-place teams, the top two teams in the, NFC, er, in the NL Central. So, I don't know. It seems like the Reds, because right. mostly of ownership. And then that's it. I love the Reds' management right now. I think the coaching staff for the Reds is is excellent and on the cutting edge. And I can't say the same thing for the Bengals. And I think that that's a big advantage for the Reds or could could manifest as one. Yeah, we that's hope it. that's true with the Bengals, but yeah. Yep. You have the next question. No, no, no. I just asked that. You did? No, I, I said like I said since he spent 19. I remember. I said the words. I'm sorry then. This is from Sean... Forfinson, man, is that your? That can't be your real name. M- MTN Sean on Twitter. What is the over under on carries for wide receivers this year? Uh, that's a good. I've question. got some numbers if you want it. Twenty five for the Rams last year. I was gonna say like thirty, so that's pretty yeah. close. And I say if you want to say twenty, just because new offense, or I should say an ap- adaptation of the Rams offense, maybe it's not as committed to the same ideals. Last year, the Bengals had nine carries from a wide receiver. Robert Woods had the most, 19. We keep talking about John Ross on these jet sweeps. It was really, as, as Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods did a lot of it. He's a tough guy. Yeah. And it's because they brought him over. He's, he's still quick, and, and they're all short. But because Woods is such a good blocker, and you they bring their guys over, from left, like if they're running to the right, they'll bring in the tight end and the receiver to the left in order to get the the defense to shift with them, uh, and they'll end up with Woods blocking. So they show that motion all the time and then hand it to him 19 times. It makes sense to me why he got so many of them. So that could be Tyler Boyd, in my opinion, getting those. I don't think it's going to be A.J. Green. You're not going to hand him the ball, right? I think he'll get a few. It's been a while. Actually, since they haven't done that for the ball. a while. Yeah, he's, he's, he's maybe too old now for that nonsense. I was trying to see if we could look up um, by position, but this so, is going to take me too long to do on the fly. Green has not carried the ball since when, Jake? It's been years. 2015. 14, actually. Almost. He he carried it five times his rookie year, five for 53. In 2012, four for 38. Did not do it in 2013. And then in 2014, two carries, two yards. They said, okay, you're out of here. We're done with this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that makes sense too. I don't I yeah, handing the ball off to AJ Green isn't really accomplishing much for your offense. So yeah, I, I think 20 23 is your over under number. Sounds good. Yeah. Cuz I think you could do it with Erickson, Boyd and Ross. Those are the three guys that did it last year. Yeah. Cuz I wouldn't do it with Malone. I wouldn't do it with Core if that's, you know, the rounding out the roster. I, I want to do it with Auden Tate. Yep. On we makes go. Sense. Yep. Jordan Grigsby, Jordan Grigsby 5, welcome back to the mailbag, asks, is Ryan Finley 
the quarterback of the future, or will he be a career backup? If so, then what quarterback in the next few years should the Bengals go after to fit this offensive style, rookie or veteran? Well, we're still guessing on the offensive style. We think we know what it is. I, I, by all accounts, we can have a good guess at what it is. But uh, So that's in the future. And more quarterback future questions. I think we'll definitely talk about quarterback again when it makes sense in terms of draft. And, and I don't think it'll ever be a vet that you want to bring a guy and you want to draft that guy. Yeah, uh, but as Drew Brees right. five years ago. Sure. But as Ryan Finley questioned part of this, is he the quarterback of the future? I don't think he is. I think anytime you draft a guy that late, you shouldn't expect it. And they draft a guy, Some this feels like the A.J. McCarron pick, where you pick a guy similar to Dalton that's not a threat to Dalton, that is accurate and smart, you know, that kind of guy that doesn't really maybe not have the upside because Finley was older also, 24 years old, was a knock against him. Chances are very, very slim that he ends up being a long-term starter for you or franchise quarterback for you. But they did trade up for him, invest the, the pick in him. It's the highest pick they've spent on a quarterback since Andy Dalton in 2011. And before that was even in the mid-90s, early 90s. So, um, yeah, that's that's significant, I guess. You had all the talking points. He's not going to be a quarterback of the future. He's 24 coming into the league. If he's a quarterback of the future, he'd be one of the first guys to do it with his profile coming out of college. Exactly. Period. Ch- chances are extremely low. Yeah. Next question, Joe. Yep, I was kind of refreshing there. I am the McGirt. You think that's right? I think yes. that's right. I am the McGirt. It's from William B.M. Mc. No, it's B.M. Little C.G. I'm not going to read I'm not done. Anyways, I have a real fear of the Bengals being relocated in the next decade. Talk me out of it. I would be crushed for the rest of my life, he says. As long as it's a Brown family, I don't think they're moving. So You mean if they give it up and sell it and then yeah. someone's like, yeah, let's go to Portland. I think, yeah, I think one of the ways the Bengals get sold is if somebody wants to buy them and move them. Hmm. I don't see the Bengals moving if it stays in the family. Right. And I don't see the family selling. So there you go. That's That's how you get talked out of it. As a family business, shouldn't they sell eventually? I mean, it, it, or does it just keep churning enough money that you know just you sit on it and you, it's a it's a free paycheck? As someone in the fourth, who would have been the fourth generation, fourth generation, yeah, Third. fourth fourth generation of my family business. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, you sell it eventually, right? <laughs> yeah. So, did you sell it? Uh, yes, my family is no longer in the business. Gotcha. All right, so yeah, I so <laughs> is there a cause for concern or reason to be concerned? Sure. Yeah, of course there is. But I, I think every team goes through this. Every franchise that's not winning goes through this. Every franchise in a small market is going to go through this. Yes. I live in Buffalo. They go through it constantly. Yeah. And they got why does Cincinnati owner. have a football team? Because right. there was a team there 50 years ago. That's why. It doesn't have to be an owner that moves them also. I mean, I'm thinking now because I just mentioned the Bills. The, when Ralph Wilson passed and they put the team up for so – remember, Donald Trump tried to buy the team. Uh, and it ended up being Terry Pagula, who was an oil guy from Pittsburgh, I believe, who bought it. And everyone's like, is he going to move the team? He, he's, an, he's, a, he's a business guy. And he said, no, I'm not moving the team. Just, we make good money here. And he bought the Buffalo Sabres also the following year, I believe it was. 
So he has these. The plans are to put them both together right downtown, kind of like the Reds and Bengals are. So maybe who's the Reds owner? Maybe he'll buy the Bengals. Bob Castellini. I don't think he has the money. Mm. Uh, you know what? That's uh, weird. Which part? Buying two Buffalo teams. Why does Buffalo have sports teams? Anyway, the point that I was making, or was they going to have to a make, basketball team. The the so does Cincinnati. The point I was going to make. Wait, did you say they used to have a basketball team? Yeah, Buffalo Braves. Yeah, Cincinnati Royals. Now the Sacramento Kings. Really? Yeah. Um, the point I was going to make is that if you buy an NFL team, you don't have to move it to make more money. Like, maybe you make a little bit more money, but the value of these teams goes up regardless. And mm-hmm. it's gone up, like, exponentially in the last 10 years. So, so there's another reason not to move a team. Buffalo Braves turned into the LA Clippers. There you go. How about that? Two teams. Move to the big to, markets. Moving out to <laughs> California. All right. Is is it my No, it's your question. Go ahead. It is my question. Sam Anger? Anger? Do, do we ever get the pronunciation of Sam's name? Anger. It's Anger. like danger without the D. All right. Drafting Luke a kicker. Com. Wrong timing? Yes. I, uh, yeah, Angel, I, I said Angel without the D. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Whatever. there it is. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> Killed the joke. Would you <laughs> rather a kicker that had a maximum of 68 yards but was the 80% in college or okay. someone who hasn't ever kicked longer than 50 yards but makes 98% of his kicks? Okay. So if I'm the personnel guy, I'm bringing that guy who made 98% of his kicks, and I'm lining him up from 55 and saying, kick this five times, please. Yeah. <laughs> and if he's like, if it's like, whoa, he's got a terribly weak leg, I don't want him. I'll be yeah. honest. I think I'll take the guy that can hit 80% yeah. and kick at 68, which is fantastic. That's a weapon. That's, and I'm a, that's try and, a record. Yeah, I'm going to try and get him to 85%. And that's a guy that's – that's a, that's a, in my opinion, that is somebody that is – I don't have to punt. And was he 80% in his college career because he was kicking a bunch of 60-plus-yard field goals? Sure. So there'd be some of that in there. Yeah. So is this like 80% under 45 or under 50? And 80% then he's... and 68 max is amazing. And I'm taking that guy every single time. It's not yeah, even close. I, I didn't consider when I read this, I just thought 80% from under 50 and then he can kick 68. Maybe. But that's not the way it's worded. I mean, obviously this isn't the way you evaluate players from, right. from two stats, but right. that, that's why, you, you know, you end up in this kind of conversation, but yeah, give me the, guy give that the upside. Can do. Yes. Because if he's kicking 80% in college, which I think is probably pretty good for college kickers. Yeah. I don't know how good college kickers are, but uh, if you're kicking 80% in college and you can kick them that far, which means you're taking the field goal from the 53, 52? 17 yards. You're so, adding. Yeah, so, 52. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? 51. Why is their math so bad? That's been like it's a, all it's, week. It's Thursday. It's a holiday. You've been drinking, doing Fourth of July been. things. Yeah, I made pulled pork today. Trying to live my life. But ninety-eight percent uh, is significant, though. We shouldn't just scoff at that because this guy I does do not scoff miss at under fifty. Because that means you're only kicking field goals out to out to the thirty-three. Right. See, that's, so yeah. so so like you said, if he can kick him from fifty-five, then you take that guy. If the right. other guy is making. You know, if he only has kicked one field goal that's 50-plus and it just happened to be a 68-yard field goal that he fell into, 
Well, then obviously it's the 98 for second. I'm thinking this he can consistently kick from long distance. I still want him. Kicker A. Yeah. See, see, I'm not even bringing kicker A in. I don't even need to see anything. I need to bring kicker B in and test him for 55 and 60. Can you do it? Did your coach, was he just ultra conservative and didn't want to do it? Was he scared? And if this guy can kick like a normal person that maybe he can hit a 55-yarder, then I may consider that. But that other guy is a weapon. All right, Joe, we have time for one more question here. Okay, one more. Which is one it my turn? Doing? It is. You, yeah, had you, you can pick one. You pick one of the mm-hmm. next few because we have four here left and we just don't have time to do them all. I'm going to pick the first one here because he's asked two weeks in a row and I figure we should at least uh, talk about it. All right. This is from Mother Soul 5 He's asked questions before, so thank you for returning to the podcast. He says, do, you, do the Bengals employ an analytics specialist? If so, who is it? And how do you see them being utilized now under Zach Taylor? I'm looking through their their list of employees right now. (laughs) And I don't see one in the football ops department. Right. They do have... There was that that piece on Bengals.com about the technology guys they hired. Yeah. To put it all together. I don't think that the Bengals are producing their own analytic data, though. I think that they buy it from a few people. Yeah. And they have uh, they have in-house developers now that will help that have put together software that will allow coaches to use that analytic library they have and pull up tape alongside it. That's my understanding of what they have. Yeah. Yeah, they use outside sources for it. So no. And I think the the misstep there and you see a lot of teams though are they may do all the outside sourcing for it, but they have that mediator, liaison in between that can help the coaches understand it or, or apply it, right? It's his job as the analytics guy oh, within the I'm system. I'm wrong. They have oh, a football great. data Whoa. analyst. Breaking news. They have a football Here. data analyst. His name is Sam Francis. He's in the information Sam technology Francis. department. Can we get they're, Sam they're, Francis on here? <laughs> doubt it. We could try. They have five people in the information technology department. There we there are. There is a developer. And I think these are the guys that, that was talked about in that Bengals.com article. There's a developer, a support guy, a network guy, the the football data analyst, and a director of technology. Well, that sounds like an analytics department. No, it's not. Sam Francis is our only analyst. That's it. So, the rest okay. of those guys are IT guys. Oh, so they're making sure the iPad works so they can watch the film. Yeah. Mm, you're right. Yeah. So we need to find Sam Francis, everyone. If you know a Sam Francis, we're putting out, uh, what is that called when the cops do that? BPA? I don't know what that's for. Or APB. APB. Not the. (laughs) Anyways. All all posted bulletins, APB, something like that. And then Bolo. Bolo is the other one. What does Bolo stand for? Next on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, what does YOLO stand for? Bolo. When you hear an officer say Bolo, be on the lookout. Mm, be on the lookout for a Sam Francis. Mm-hmm. I would like to talk to them, find out what that means and what it does. I think that'd be a cool job, right? Oh, yeah. Take the data and apply it or digest it and make it usable for the coaches. There's an article in Sun Journal Sports highlighting Sam Francis. There it former is. Bates college two sport athlete sam francis now crunching numbers for cincinnati bengals and he was talked about in that bengals.com article great so there's your answer sam francis 
Yeah. So there's an article on Bengals.com from March and an article in the Sun Journal, which is for Central and Western Maine. Wouldn't have guessed. Uh, from April. You look up Sam Francis Bengals on Twitter, you can find out about this guy. And that doesn't eliminate what we originally said. They do. I think this this is probably the guy I was getting to of that will take this information and, you know, from outside sources. Yeah. And help with it. Agreed. So that's it? That's it. If we didn't get to your question, we won't have anything to talk about Sunday. So we'll take it then. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Is training camp here yet? This has been the Lockdown Bengals podcast brought to you in part by Blue Chew. As always, you can find us on the Himalaya Podcast app, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, probably other places. We're glad you spent some of your holiday weekend, if you did, listening to the podcast. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one.